It's been a little over two years since St. Louis County Executive Steve Stanger took the oath of office, and the Democratic official says much has been accomplished by his administration. Stanger joins us next to talk about the road ahead for Missouri's most populous county on another edition of Politically Speaking. So let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Merzenbaum. And I'm Joe Manis. That's Eric Greitens, Navy <laughs> SEALs running for governor. And I'm really, really glad to be on with you, Jason and Joe. I'm going to push back on these regulators. I'm doing this for the people. I was encouraged along the way, not just by my family, but by a lot of teachers and professors and knew when I was in college that I would run for office someday. We're very excited about the prospect of having some more free market solutions. Even though after the conversation, I still might not agree. We want our listeners to get a real sense of what drives these people. They're actually people with a story to tell. And welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studios in St. Louis is... Colleague Joe Manis. And joining us for the first time as county executive, he was on right after he won his election in 2014, we have as our special guest today... County Executive Steve Stinger. It's great to be here. It's great to be here. And and as I said jokingly on the last show, you're probably the most successful former 16th Ward resident in the city of St. Louis. (laughs) I believe you grew up on the other side of the River De Pere, by the way. I did. I I grew up on the uh, county side of it, but but in the city. Yeah. You're one of those people, as we like to say in the 16th Ward. Um, Yeah. He's arguably the most prominent Democratic officeholder in the region who's here. I mean, not not including Congress, of course. So a lot to talk about. It's yes. been almost two years since you took the oath of office. And I think that I want to start off with a, a pretty simple question, but one that I think is going to lead to a lot of discussion. What do you think that you've accomplished in your term as county executive in these two years? Where do I start? Where do I start? No, uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, you know, one of the, I think one of the, one of my, I'd say my proudest achievements is that we we instituted a, a prescription drug monitoring program. Uh, we started it in St. Louis County. Uh, we, of course, are the last state in the union uh, that doesn't have uh, a prescription drug monitoring program. And uh, we started one in the county, and we now have coverage basically for uh, 50% of the population of the state of Missouri, which is pretty incredible in such a short amount of time. Now, how does that feel, though, in, this, in, in a center like an island? I mean, of course, the, the city has it as well. But, I mean, um, with St. Louis County being by far the largest jurisdiction in the state, I mean, and since you have one, does it cause problems because you're surrounded, at least some parts, by counties that don't have it? Well, you know, if, if, if we hadn't started it, we wouldn't have one at all. So, so the way I look at it is, you know, we, we have St. Louis City, as you said, Joe, uh, we have Jackson County, another, of course, one of the largest counties in the state, St. Charles County, uh, St. Genevieve County, Kansas City, Independence, City of Columbia, Jefferson City, Cole County, Lincoln County, Stoddard County, Cooper County, Miller County, and Audrain County. So it's really spreading. And I, and I hope that uh, in the event that the state does not come forward with a solution, which has been years in the making, um, you know, we, we, we very well may have a PDMP that covers the entire state. So, you know, we, we, ju- we didn't start that long ago. This was a project that started just about a year ago, and we've already got basically half the state ready to go, and it will be up and running in April. Why do you think this is going to help deal with the prescription drug abuse problem? Well, what you, what you, what you sort of catch in this is, uh, 
it's it's multiple prescriptions for either the same pain medication or pain medication that has the same effect. And uh, through that, you know, you're able to identify, particularly health providers are able to identify uh, individuals who might be abusing or on the road to abusing prescription drugs, particularly opioids. Now, there's always been, on, on, on the other side, aside from the, the privacy issue, there's been some concern. I've actually, McCaskill talked a little bit about this, and she supports the general concept, um, is that you've got some people who are severely ill. I mean, they have, like, terminal cancer or something like that, and they are, and there is concern, there's some talk on the other side that, well, all this focus could mean that those people don't need the painkillers they need um, to live comfortably or, you know, uh, at least feel better. I, I've dealt with that in my own family sure. one oh. time. But, I mean, how do you, I mean, how do you envision this working so that the people who shouldn't be getting so much don't, but that the people who do need this heavy doses are, are can still get it when they need it? Yeah, and I haven't really um, run into any situations where that where that fear has, has really been brought to actuality. I think that uh, in the vast majority of cases, and I mean the vast majority of cases, I think that physicians are making the decisions that they would otherwise be making, you know, uh, but they're making so in, an, in maybe a more informed fashion. And, um, you know, they're still making those prescription decisions, uh, and but they're doing it, you know, uh, with the information of is this a duplicate and why is it a duplicate? You know, why are there multiple prescriptions? And if there's a reason for it, there's a reason for it. And it, and it is not always uh, that someone is abusing, of course, that they're abusing prescription drugs. It's, but in some cases, it's exactly as you said. Uh, it could be someone who has just a very intense uh, pain medication regime. And um, what other things have, do you see as uh, major achievements during the first sure. two years? We have seen in the last two years, and, and I will say that St. Louis County, as well as the St. Louis um, Economic Development Partnership, working very closely in conjunction with the county, with, working very closely with me, um, we have seen just a tremendous amount of economic development over the last two years. In just uh, 2016 alone, we saw just about $3 billion of private investment in the county alone, um, resulting in quite literally thousands of jobs and the and retention of of close to 10,000 jobs and, and basically bringing in a little over 5,000 jobs. So um, it, it, was, it was quite a year in 16, and it was, we could see that it was coming in 15. And, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, places like, of course, we've, we've heard quite a bit about Centene with a $772 million expansion in St. Louis County, particularly Clayton. Um, we saw, you know, great activity in Express Scripts, Worldwide Technology, um, and then all kinds of new, smaller startups in St. Louis County. Uh, they've just been incredible. We also started in, in 2016, and we carried it into 2017, 39 North, which is a really important uh, piece of our future, uh, particularly in the area of ag tech innovation. It's an ag tech innovation district. It's about 600 acres. It's right by the Danforth Plant Science Center. And uh, it promises, uh, I think, uh, you know, to be a great place where innovation and startups can come. And, and uh, we, of course, have Venture Cafe coming there on, on Tuesdays. 
and uh, it's uh, it's really incredible. It's going to be it's going to be great. One thing that you talked about extensively during your campaign was starting a new part of county government that would deal with longstanding issues of poverty, especially within the African American community. I'd like you to tell me what you've done to fulfill that pledge. Sure. And 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 I, I I drive around the county all the time. I know this is not a problem that's going to be solved instantly, but I want to know what your administration is doing. Sure. especially since these issues became so much bigger and brighter after Michael Brown's shooting death. Yeah, and what, you're refer- what you are referring to is our Division of Community Empowerment, and uh, it's, it's headed by Ethel Bindham, uh, an individual who is uh, just incredibly dedicated to those issues, uh, issues around inclusion, issues around um, you know, eliminating disparities in all areas uh, throughout our county. Um, some really big items have come out of that department, as well as really a real day-to-day involvement in the community. But one of the biggest things is a disparity study. Um, we commissioned a disparity study in 2015. It is still ongoing. And, um, you know, this really um, is about my vision for St. Louis County. I think it's a collective vision for St. Louis County that includes the participation of every segment of our region's workforce and really takes a look at how we, uh, how we contract in the county, uh, what our capacities are. And the ultimate goal of the disparity study is provide a statistical evaluation that examines participation by available, qualified, certified minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, and uh, we also we get into veteran-owned businesses and uh, service-disabled veteran-owned businesses as well. Uh, and, and how the county interacts with those businesses and how it contracts with those businesses. So that's a, it's a huge step. It's the, the first ever disparity study in the history of St. Louis County, and that is being uh, headed up in, in large part by Ethel. And uh, she's doing a phenomenal job there and does a phenomenal job every day. When do you expect it to be finished? Um, you know, it, it's probably going to be somewhere in, the, somewhere in the 12-month range from now. It takes quite a bit of time. It involves a tremendous amount of data gathering, and once again, it was commissioned in 15, and we've been working on it since diligently. Uh, we've had uh, several rounds of community input and uh, town hall meetings, and uh, it's been uh, it's been very enlightening thus far. And I think the completed project is going to give us a lot of information that we really need to move forward. Well, when you compare what's going on with the county now with let's say 20 years ago. I mean, you, you've seen kind of this movement um, of low-income residents and African American from the from the parts of the city, especially the north side, into the county. So in some ways, like there's no borders, you know. It just and, and um, so that some issues that the county ignored, let's say 30 years ago, they can't now because it's in the county's watch. In fact, I was talking to Vince Shamel, the former mayor of St. Louis, about this recently, and he was saying that. He thought one of the things that happened out of Ferguson was that he thought much more attention is being put on North County, but he thought in some ways parts of the North City were being hurt as a result. Uh, I'm just interested in, I mean, is there a lot of coordination between um, the city of St. Louis on some of this? Does there need to be more? Are you involved in any efforts to kind of improve it so it's not, Again, because poverty, like anything else, knows no borders. I mean, people sure. go wherever there's better housing. Yeah, and, and you know, I, and I can talk about it in terms of, say, homelessness. 
you know, in, in St. Louis County, we have eight homeless shelters. Uh, three of the eight of the homeless shelters that we have are located in the city and can have joint participation between the city and the county. So it, it's situational and it's things like that where we, where we collaborate. Um, you know, one of the greatest areas that we collaborate in is through the, uh, as I said, the St. Louis Economic Development Partnership. That's a direct collaboration with the city of St. Louis. One of the things that's housed essentially within uh, within that organization is is our Promise Zone and our Promise Zone coordinator. So on all of these issues related to poverty and how federal grants play in and workforce development and, um, you know, workforce development is extraordinarily important, bringing all individuals across our county into our workforce. Um, all of these things are it, it, they're the result of heavy collaboration. Just in getting the Promise Zone designation, and for those who might not know what that is, Promise Zone is something that is um, recognized throughout the country. It's basically a a, a zone, if you will, um, a geographic location within a particular state where federal funding um, is uh, is sought, and we are given a priority in seeking that federal funding for all kinds of things, from from uh, workforce development to uh, reduction of violence. Now, with uh, Washington still kind of roiling with the new administration, and President Trump has proposed a series of massive cuts in many programs, and many of those uh, smaller programs he's, he's proposing about eliminating outright are the types of programs that, that the city or St. Louis County or would be seeking money from or have gotten money from. Have you done any sort of assessment on how much the county stands to lose if if his priorities come to pass and all these programs are cut. Yeah, and you know, one of the things we do is we try to assess the likelihood of, of those priorities, um, you know, coming to pass. And uh, it's really difficult to do right now, but we certainly are vigilant of that. And we actually have, you know, we have federal lobbyists that lobby on our behalf in St. Louis County. And, and those are the kinds of things that we are watching for every day and, and waiting to see exactly what happens. But yes, we, we, uh, we try to do our best to do assessments, but until we know exactly what's uh, what's coming, we won't know exactly. How concerned are you? Well, I'm certainly concerned. You know, the, the things that we're talking about, you know, when we talk about sort of these human service functions, um, those are heavily funded by the federal government. And uh, to have those cuts would be, uh, would, you know, in some cases be devastating. So, so I'm extremely concerned. I want to talk about relations between St. Louis and St. Louis County, both retrospectively and going forward. Now, as we've talked about many times when I ask you what your relationship was like with soon-to-be former mayor, Francis Slay, you talk about how you exchange texts with each other, you're socially very cordial, and that you have a good relationship with him personally. But it's been pretty obvious from observers that you've disagreed on some major policies from whether uh, the, the county could raise the minimum wage. You, you said that they could only raise it in unincorporated areas and not the municipalities and decide not to go along with that. And there have been some other issues too. So how do you see the relations with St. Louis city government now? And, and where do you see it going forward with Lida Cruz and likely coming in? Well, I think to have an accurate picture and to have an accurate answer for your question, I think we really have to look at all of the various ways that we currently collaborate and cooperate. And, uh, and to look at that realistically, you know, we, you know, I, I've talked about the economic development partnership, and uh, you know that is 
real and true collaboration. Um, you know, we, we collaborate on a whole host of areas. You know, we, we have our, our sort of our regional parks arm, and that's Great Rivers Greenway. There's a collaboration that goes on there between the city and the county every day, and, um, you know, it, it goes into St. Charles as well. Um, some of our regional institutions, I, I think sometimes it's sort of lost that we, 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 we collaborate and cooperate with the city. We have joint boards for things like the Science Center, the St. Louis Zoo, um, you know, the Missouri Botanical Garden, the History Museum. The all, airport. All of, and, the, and, of course, the airport. You know, all of these things are joint yes. boards and sort of joint, joint governance um, situations. Um, you know, the, the America Center Dome, and, and I can go on, the Art Museum. And these are all wonderful institutions, Bush Stadium even. Um, you know, East-West Gateway Council of Governments is where we, where we conduct our, our regional transportation uh, and make our regional transportation decisions. So there is a tremendous amount of cooperation that is really required to make things work like they do work. And, and when we see an occasional disagreement, I think, you know, the reason why the disagreements make news is because they're not happening every day. Mm -hmm. But what is happening every day is this sort of general cooperation and collaboration that we've got going on. Um, so, you know, Mayor Slay and I certainly disagreed on some things, and we represent different jurisdictions under our current regional governance structure. So we're going to have, you know, for instance, you said minimum wage. I'm a major proponent of increasing the, the, the minimum wage. I would love to. But unfortunately, in St. Louis County, we have a situation where we have incorporated and unincorporated, and uh, it, it's it's very difficult to achieve a uniform result um, that has meaning for workers in that you know in that governance structure. So that was a situation where I can tell you, um, you know, I, I'm, as I said, I'm a huge proponent of increasing the minimum wage. Um, it's just. You know, the city was an easier place to do that in because it was one contiguous unit. But, but yeah. certainly the sentiment was there. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that. There, the other complaint that you hear, not necessarily from the mayor, but just from St. Louis Citians, is when the stadium deals have come forward, they have been upset that the county hasn't been involved. Now, I've tried to explain through my, my megaphone that you're not an all-powerful mm -mm. wizard and you can't necessarily make stadium funding appear by fiat. Yeah. But I would like you to address that sure. that that angst because it's definitely a real thing in the yeah. city. And some people are wondering why isn't the county involved in yeah. these projects? Well, yeah, and I can explain that for sure. Um, you know, I, as you said, I, I'm not an all-powerful wizard and I don't want to be. I don't think anybody would want to be really. Uh, you know, number one, we have – there's me. I'm the county executive. We also have the county council, seven council people that represent approximately 147,000 persons in, in St. Louis County per council person. So, you know, we, we have a we have a, a governance structure in St. Louis County, so it's not all me, um, number one. Number two, um, in the situations that you're talking about in, in the Rams in the Rams stadium first, the new the new Rams stadium that was being contemplated, um, that was a situation where they chose to move forward. It was the governor and his team chose to move forward without St. Louis County. And there was a reason for that. They did not want to have a public vote for whatever reason. And um, it, it's impossible in St. Louis County to move forward without a public vote because we actually have a charter amendment, which makes it part of our charter that the people of St. Louis County get to decide those issues related to new stadiums, whether there's going to be one or not. And I think it's appropriate that that, that, that is the case. And uh, it was not difficult. It was not a difficult lift for me to advance that proposition to 
the proposers of the stadium. It was very simple. I said, well, we have a charter amendment that says this is the vote. If you'd like to move forward, please let us know what how you'd like to move forward, and they didn't want to. Mm -hmm. These are extremely complex negotiations, and it's not a situation where a county executive or even a council can say, oh, yeah, sure, we'd love to jump in. It, this, it's, it, it requires quite a bit of, of planning, negotiation, and, um, you know, Certainly, I can tell you that that uh, in the county, we certainly liked the idea of having the Rams here. We wanted to see them stay, of course. Um, whether we were going to participate in in the Rams Stadium was something that just the actual, you know, discussion just never really came to us because they wanted to move forward without without uh, a vote, so they didn't want to go to the county for the funding. Well, now we're looking at the soccer stadium. Well, at one point, wait, what year or so ago, there was even talk of something being out in the county. Yes. And um, so now there's this proposal on the ballot, which has mixed, I mean, there's mixed response even among Democrats on this. Um, so what's your take on why the county isn't involved in this? Should they have been? Uh, just kind of your observations about this. Well, in, the, in this case of, of the MLS stadium, this was really another case of the group that is the proponent of the stadium um, simply I think they were able to proceed without the county. And you have to consider this. If, if you're in the city and, and you're going for a vote in the city, I think it was part of their analysis and part of their just the way they wanted to proceed. They didn't want to go to the county, which is a much larger venue, run a campaign for a, a countywide vote for the project. I mean, it, it is quite a lift for them to proceed in that fashion. And these are all very smart individuals that are involved in the project, and they made a determination through their own analysis that they didn't want to do that. And I can tell you, and I would say it in any venue, public or otherwise, that, uh, you know, the issue of whether the county would participate was not an issue that was ever discussed. It, it just never got to that. They didn't need our assistance. They didn't ask for our assistance. And they chose to move forward in the fashion that they did. I will tell you that we did discuss and we have discussed um, a practice facility in the county, and that's been discussed. But once again, that's just discussion. It hasn't reached the level of negotiation and all that type of thing yet. I, I promise I would look forward on, on this regional before we get to Cruzen. The America's Center is going to be in need of potentially hundreds of millions of dollars in upgrades. And that's that's a project I do not think is going to be possible without county participation. Have you been in discussions with Kitty Ratcliffe or anybody else about possibly being involved in those renovations? Yes, we have been. And, uh, and, and once again, all these situations are different. And this is a different situation. Yes. It doesn't involve a sports venue. doesn't require a public It involves vote. a former sports venue, sure. but it's mainly for right. conventions and tourism, right. which affects the county because more conventions mean more people are going in county hotels. Exactly. And this is a decision that, that would need to be decided by both me uh, and the council. I should say, you know, the, the council and me. Uh, would need to make that determination of whether we want to move forward with that. It's in extremely early stages right now. Um, exactly to what extent those, uh, you know, the, what what exactly the rehabilitation is going to call for. I don't think it's been exactly determined yet. So we're we're having those discussions right now, and that's something that um, would need to be decided by the council as well. Now, skipping just a little bit into politics without getting too much, um, you know, on for 
Cruson's uh, victory party, which ended up being a victory party, although it wasn't clear until near the end, um, one of the things that struck me was that you joined her on stage. In fact, many of us reporters didn't know you were in the building, and apparently you'd been in the building for a while, at least during some of the vote counting. I was interested in what prompted you to be there. If if somebody else had won, would you have been going to that one um, afterwards? I, I'm just interested in how involved behind the scenes you were and either just advising or supporting or whatever Cruson's candidacy. Yeah, I, I've known Lina for a long time, and uh, I like her a lot. She's a friend of mine, so I wanted to you know go go and see her that night and and, and to be supportive. And you know, with with her being the winner, I thought that it was important that I came out that night, and I thought it was important I got up on the stage with her to show that uh, we have unity. And, uh, you know, I, I think she I think she has a very good shot at becoming the next mayor in April. I think that's it, it, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it's well, fair to it say. depends on turnout. I you mean, I, I just finished a story that's going up shortly. So, <laughs> so, go ahead. so I wanted to be there. And, you know, she's my friend and I, I thought it was important to support her. And that's why I came out. Now, you you yourself had survived a rather close. Uh, I sure election. did. <laughs> it was a general election. <laughs> sure. But uh, w- while everybody is really tense, I mean. That night, because there were Greg Daly came out at one point and he was visibly shaking. Um, did you offer any like either advice or support or of people as far as you know sure. how, how cool to be or not to be? Sure, I, I'll be you know I'll be really straightforward with you. I told Lida that night. I said I've been exactly where you are. I know exactly how you feel, and uh, it's really tough. It's nerve wracking. It's it's really tough. You know, there was somebody on Twitter. I don't remember who it was who theorize that the fact that you were there may make it easier for you and future Mayor Krusen to decide on some sort of city-county merger proposal because Krusen is a supporter of the city joining the county in some sort of way. I've talked about this with you extensively over the years. I want you to kind of address whether her victory is going to make this decades-long process easier or whether it doesn't really matter what you two think since this has to be go to the voters anyways. Well, I think that it, it is important for collaboration and cooperation for leaders, you know, in, in the various jurisdictions in our region to get along. I mean, it, it's, it's always nice. Um, and, and I will tell you, I, I think we've all been really lucky. Um, that is the, the various county executives and mayors in the region. Everyone's very cordial to one another, and, and, and it will be very much the same with uh, with with Lida. Um you know, we all see each other. We all get together at, at, at you know, as I said, East West Gateway, where we make the transportation decisions, and we get together in all kinds of different forums. But that's a really big one, and everyone's very cordial, and uh, there is a real sense of cooperation, collaboration, and really wanting each other to do well, and wanting our respective jurisdictions to do well. And I think that um, you know, Lida would be an excellent complement to that, and and and. And it, it, that does sort of, um, you know, move in toward the answer to your question. It's really difficult to say, you know, exactly how that's going to go. Um, that What you're talking about is another thing that is an extremely complex analysis with all types of, uh, you know, considerations and impacts that really need to be discussed. And, it, it, and, and for that, it is very helpful to have a very nice working relationship in discussing, you know, to what level will we go to, um, you know, in the uh, collaboration sphere. Now, what and, is, you know, and, and 
and consolidation sphere. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But uh, one of the things that I think was also similar, although it wasn't as dramatic, was that your contest, like hers, there was this kind of racial backdrop. Now, in yours, it was more pronounced, I must say, um, with uh, some of the African-American uh, elected officials and others in parts of the county endorsing the Republican. Um, I, it hasn't gotten that far in the city, but there were definitely were racial tensions uh, kind of a backdrop or an underpinning of what was going on in the Democratic primary. Um, do you have any observations about how, as a elected official, and a setting, especially in Cruson's case, if she wins, she will be representing a city that is uh, a majority is African-American. How, do you have any suggestions for that? Are there things you've learned? Are there things that you still have to deal with? You know, I, I, I will say I, I knew going in, you know, into that election night when I when I won, um, that I represent everyone, and I was going to represent everyone as county executive. And I will tell you that I, I do my best from the moment I wake up at night, and it might even be while I'm sleeping, to represent everyone. And, you know, we have a big challenge. We have a, a, a county of a million people. And that county, and in that county of a million people, we just saw, as I said, $3 billion of private investment in 2016. And the real challenge is to get everyone together and move everyone upward together. And that is all parts of our county across all demographics um, with a real mind toward uh, inclusion of minorities in that. And we and we have actually done a great deal of that through workforce development in, the, in just the two years that I've been in office. Um, and once again, through the disparity study and things like that, and trying to eliminate disparities among, you know, among some of our, our key indicators, education, health. These are things that are real, workforce development, jobs. These are things that are real and that make a real impact on people's lives. So I think it's so important that you realize, and I get a, a real sense from Lida that she does realize that, that uh, you represent everyone and you need to move everyone along and upward um, as you progress. I want to talk about your relations with the, the St. Louis County Council, and I'm going to try to preface this question without boring our listeners to death with detail. But basically, when you entered office, the majority of the council, including the Republicans, were allied with most of your decisions. Over time, because two of your allies lost um, and because the Republicans don't side with you on issues anymore, you now have, depending on the issue, and I want to make that clear because most bills that go through the council pass unanimously, you no longer have a functioning majority to get controversial things passed. I want to know how you're dealing with this because you're, as a council person, kind of the leader of an oppositionary coalition against Charlie Dooley that made Charlie Dooley's life miserable. And I want to know how you're going to avoid falling into that same pitfall over the next two years. Well, what I've found since January is there, there's really no oppositional coalition to speak of, really. Um, you know, we've had a couple of difficult issues, and both of those difficult issues were resolved um, in a way that I think was very much the best for the county. One was Jamestown Mall. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the substitute bill that was proposed was, um, was voted down by a majority of the council, and mm -hmm. I think that was really the best yes. result. Um, and I can tell you that, uh, you know, that wasn't the result of any arm twisting on my part or anything like that or any, you know, real political plays or anything like that at all. It was really just the council members voting their, their collective conscience and, 
and voting in a way that I think was best for the council. Um, another one was uh, we had a recent issue with uh, one of the parks and receiving a $6 million grant from Great Rivers Greenway. I think that resolved fine. I mean, so we've really been able to move forward. And, you know, it's it, you know, I think what, what you kind of figure out after two years and what you figure out after eight years of public service is that it's, it's not always going to be your way. You know, it's a collective way that you that you put together and you move forward in order to lead, you know, and you lead not alone, but you lead with a group and uh, you need a group of individuals who care about the community and want to move things forward. And as I said, who want to move everybody along upwardly. Um, And I think we have that on the council and it doesn't it's not always going to be in the form of the same four people. It's just not. Mm -hmm. But it's going to and as you've seen on some key issues, I think, as you've watched it's, you know, this person and this person and this person and this it person. It gets fluid. It yeah. gets very fluid, yeah. which is why I was being hesitant to, to be overly general. Yeah. But as I kind of mentioned before, it takes a certain finesse and realism of the county executive to navigate that reality. I think your predecessor, Charlie Dooley, completely failed at navigating yeah. it. And if you do the same thing that he did, you're sure. going to fail, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I don't want to give myself that compliment. Um, that you, you know, that you, what you're talking about having that sense. But I will say that uh, I know this. I care deeply about our county. I care deeply about the residents in the county. And, you know, I'm going to do whatever we need to do to move forward an agenda that, uh, that, that is best for St. Louis Countyans. And I think we have, at any given time, we have a majority of, of St. Louis County Council people who want to do that as well. And once again, it's not like it's my, you know, it's it's simply my agenda. It's really a collective agenda. We have council people who are very much interested in moving everyone along upwardly in St. Louis County. Does it help or hurt that used to be on the council? I mean, I used to talk to Dooley about that because he was on the council for a number of years before he became county executive. But frankly, the previous ones, most of them, not all, had not been on the council first. So yeah. I'm just curious in your thoughts. I think it's extremely helpful. And I think it's helpful because I... I understand what the council people are going through, and I understand uh, somewhat maybe their in, in most cases their decision processes that they're that they're working through, um, you know. And and it is an apparatus that you develop as a council person on making decisions that are important to your particular district. I think I understand a lot of that just from being a council person, um, and I you know I hope that shows, and, and I hope that continues. Um, but 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 yeah, I, I think it's helpful. What's your relationship like with the new governor, Eric Greitens, who actually grew up in St. Louis County? They lived in the city, and now he's in Jeff City. But he's a Republican, and I know that Nixon was a Democrat, but one always had a sense that, uh, you know, the relationship was so-so. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But I'm just curious on how much interaction you've had with the new governor and kind of your take on that. Yeah, I've had some interaction with him. You know, we've had a couple instances where uh, we had some state involvement on some things locally, and— and uh, he and his staff have been uh, very good to work with. And I'll tell you that uh, when, when, when Jay Nixon was the governor, he was very good to work with as well. And, and our relationship was really much more than so-so. We, we, we got along quite well and, uh, you know, rarely disagreed, to be honest with you. And uh, I, I sense much the same with the current governor. On, on, you know, there are certainly some philosophical issues that he and I differ on, and we're going to do that. Um, just because of our very, you know, I think we have two different philosophies, but that doesn't stop us from working together for common good. And I think that that's, uh, that's really what we're trying well, to do. Well, you both share an aversion to ties. So and, I well, think we that, do. That we do. I, you can tell. I, I think I 
was the maybe the trendsetter on that no, one. But, no, but at I think least, it was me. At least you haven't gone to the jeans. And <laughs> no, I'm not doing look. jeans. But is, that's just me. I, I've, I've joked with the county executive <laughs> that there are some eerie parallels between the two men. You both have two kids. You you both don't wear ties. Uh, you're I guess you're not as outsidery because you were elected before you got into office. But, you know, I, I'm sure you have other ways to bond besides your version. Does of ties. it help at all that he grew up in St. Louis County? I mean, you know, so I mean, as opposed to if he'd been somebody who'd grown up in rural Missouri, I think it certainly can. You know, I, I think that's, um, I think it's different in every case, but it, it certainly can help. Okay. And what what's your relationship with uh, County Executive Elman in St. Charles? He and I get along quite well. I like him a lot. He's a, he's a good man, and uh, and 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 we, you know, once again, we see each other on a very regular basis at you know East West Gateway. And even though he opposed one of our projects, I'm I'm still friends with him. <laughs> well, I want to talk about. Well, we pro- hope to have him on again. Yes. He's a good man, and, he's, and I he's think really he does wear ties. I want to talk about Proposition P because this is a pretty important initiative, not only for public safety, yeah, in in St. Louis County, but I think it could be a test of your political acumen. But let's talk about the actual initiative. What what does it do? How much money does it? direct towards various entities and why do you think it's needed? Well, first of all, it's transformative. And in my opinion, it is um, one of the most transformative things that uh, if, if it passes that we will do for our community, I think, in the, in the, in the decades to come. Um, it generates about $80 million for uh, police and public safety in the county. It's a, it's a half a cent sales tax. It's dedicated. Can't be spent for anything but police and public safety. And the things that it's going to go for, and I think you're going to see this all across the county, but particularly in the county, it's going to go for uh, uh, a dramatic increase in officers, um, two officers to a police vehicle, which is extraordinarily important for a number of reasons that I can talk about, uh, better equipment, and, um, you know, uh, it's, it's going to really really help us out with uh, with a number of things that, is that there, we can talk about. Is there any possibility that the, you, since the county executive sets the budget, that future county executives could take $80 million out of public safety and, and just use the $80 million from the, the sales tax to backfill it? Or like That's a supplanting thing that gets talked about a lot. Probably not if they would like to continue being the county executive. So, so no, I don't think that that's a real possibility at all. Okay. And if you look at our other dedicated taxes that we've had in St. Louis County, uh, under really any administration, that just hasn't been the pattern. You know, we did the ECC tax back about six, seven years ago, I'd say. And that money was spent on the emergency communication system, and it wasn't backed out anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same thing with with the various park taxes that we've had. They've been utilized for what they were supposed to be used for. Great Rivers Greenway has benefited greatly from those. So, um, no, I don't think that that's really an issue. But what I think we really have to focus on is what is it going to do for law enforcement? And when we talk about two officers to a vehicle, what's so transformational about that is, first of all, it contributes greatly to officer safety. Um, secondly, it allows us to do something that I think all of us want, and uh, that is community policing. You know, one of the things that, that I've heard as I've made my way through all parts of the county is that individuals would like for the police that, that, that patrol them to get to know them, and they would like to know the police, and they would like to, uh, you know, have them more deeply involved in the various communities that we have in St. Louis County. Two officers to a vehicle allows us to do that, to do just that. Now, how much? I mean, 
are you concerned at all about how whether or not it's going to pass or not? I mean, because we're, we're looking at right around two weeks now left. Um, do you expect to be doing a lot more high-profile campaigning the last couple of weeks? A lot more TV, that sort of thing? Just kind of get a sense yeah, of what I, flyers? Sure. I think what you will see uh, in the last two weeks is, is, a, is a great emphasis on TV. So you'll see TV in the, in the next two weeks, uh, a lot of radio and uh, targeted mailings and mailings throughout St. Louis County. I, and, and, I, and I'm not part of the campaign but from the individuals who are running the campaign, that's what I've heard. But you have been. I, I saw it. But TV I am ad. very much in favor of the tax. Yes. I, I and, support it and you've wholeheartedly. Been, and you've actually yeah. appeared in a television commercial. Yes. So yes. I want to make that clear. And I'm just yeah. wondering if is this are you putting a lot of political capital on the line to pass this because you believe in this so much? Absolutely. You know, I, I want to see, you know, and one of the one of the major items is, is you know, we, we want to see our officers stay with us and we want to attract more officers of the caliber of, of the officers that we have. So um, it's extremely important for our region. One of the things that we're going to also do is increase pay for St. Louis County police officers. And I think you're going to see that throughout the county and all the various municipalities who also receive money through this tax. Because about, let's see, it's about uh, 46 million goes to goes to uh, St. Louis County and about 34 million goes to the municipalities based on population. So I think what you're going to see is an increase in pay as well for policing. And I think that's extraordinarily important as well for many reasons. Now, right now, I think that there is a disparity between officers in the city and officers in the county. I think there's, I, now I don't know if this is a reason for county residents not to vote for this because this is a county issue, not a city issue. But is there, has there been any discussion that a greater disparity that this would bring without a lot of action in the city could prompt people to leave the city uh, police department, which it, it, could which could which could hurt the county based off the public safety numbers. Well, it it could that disparity could lead to you know city a city pay differential, city county pay differential among police, or the city could utilize some of its new funds that it that it's going to maybe have as a result of some of its issuances that I think it's it, it has as proposals right now. Um, to, to increase that pay for police officers. And I mean, I think what we're looking for to come out of this tax is really setting a standard for our region with police pay, which will allow this entire region, our entire region, to increase, um, you know, and I, I would say to retain and attract the best officers possible. Do you think that if this passes, it would reduce the amount of overtime the county officers have oh, to do? Because sure. I, I'm getting yeah. a sense that's a big problem, not just it with is. the county, but pretty much with every police yeah. department. It, it is budgetarily and it is from a manpower perspective. I mean, we, we have officers who are just worn out. And, uh, you know, that's something that's that can't be understated. And it is a uh, it's a real or I should say overstated. And it's a real issue. Now, um, as aside from this issue, are there other things that you really want people to pay attention to as they go to the polls on April 4th? And what do you see are other major issues that the county is going to be facing in the I, next couple of years? I will tell you right now, this is the main thing on my plate. And I will say that if this passes, I think what we're going to be doing is spending a good deal of time administratively. And I'll be working closely with our police chief, John Belmar, in implementing all of the various initiatives that we'll be bringing about as a result of receiving the revenue from this tax, which are going to be things like I talked about the new equipment, uh, you know, quite literally 21st century technology we're, we're, we're greatly in need of. And 
the hiring of the additional officers. We're talking about hiring in excess of 100 officers, which is uh, going to be a feat in and of itself. And of course, we have a uh, you know a, a very strong minority hiring component in there as well. In the last few minutes, I do want to delve into politics a little bit. Um, I'm going to ask this. This may seem like a silly question based off the money that you have in your campaign account, but are you running for re-election next year? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I, I intend to run for re-election. Now, people may wonder, why am I asking that question? I asked the same question to Mayor Slay uh, last year, <laughs> and he decided to change his mind. So Two there, weeks sure. later. I think it's a very fair question. I, I, I want to make yeah. sure you're on the record on that. You know, I will just tell you personally, it, it has been really um, one of the greatest honors of my life to have the job that I have, to be elected by the people of St. Louis County, to be county executive. It is a real honor. I enjoy waking up every day. And some nights I don't sleep, you know, frankly, because of the anxiety associated with the job. And sometimes it's just, honestly, it's just sheer excitement. I mean, we do a lot of exciting things every day. And I think we're making a, a really positive impact. And once again, you know, the, the, over, the, over, the overriding vision is to move everyone forward and upward. And uh, we're, we're doing our very best in gathering everyone and pulling everybody together. Every now, day. are there any lessons that, that you have learned or still learning from the Ferguson unrest of a couple of years ago, um, which bled over? I mean, it did affect the campaigns. Um, some think that the that this uh, police uh, proposal may be tied a little bit to that. I'm just interested in your thoughts on because you came under fire, you know, on whether or not you were handling things correctly, if you were responsive enough. Um, looking forward and where you are now, what what lessons yeah. did you learn? Well, well, just historically speaking, um, as you, I mean, we're all aware, I, I was not the county executive Correct. when the original unrest occurred back in, in August of 14. Uh, became county executive on 1-1 of 15. You know, it, you know, I have a really positive, what I think is a positive perspective, you know, coming out of all of it. I was able to take over and, you know, I think some said, oh, this is a very tumultuous time and a very difficult time to be county executive. And in, and in many senses, it was. But in, but in many senses, I was able to preside over, you know, call it an era, if you will, and in the beginning of an era for St. Louis County, really, where we saw more cooperation um, among all sectors of our community coming together. For instance, just the rebuilding, you know, tearing down the, the buildings that had been burnt and putting up new buildings. And St. Louis County was a part of all that. We, we, we had a fund that was going that, that paid for the, the, the demolition and, and in part, in some cases, even rebuilding and building. Um, you know, you saw uh, organizations like the Urban League come in there and, and place uh, a beautiful facility at the site of the, of the burnt down QT. Uh, we saw Centene come together with a $26 million uh, building that they placed right there in the heart of, of Ferguson. We saw, um, you know, we, we, we saw Starbucks step up and put a, put a brand new store, a training facility right there. AT&T did the same. And, and, and it goes on. The, the Regional Business Council, um, Civic Progress, everyone coming forward, all of the local elected leaders coming together, cooperating, collaborating to rebuild the city and really rebuild our image um, to the whole world. And so that, to me, has been a profound experience. And if I've learned anything, I've learned really that our community is a community that has a capacity that is great for coming together, uh, for cooperating, for collaborating, and for really just trying to do the right thing for everyone and for trying to do the right thing for the citizens of St. Louis County and our region as a whole. 
Um, given how close your victory was in 2014, are you worried that you may face stiff Republican opposition again or a major opponent in the Democratic primary? You know, I mean, I don't know how deeply we want to get into the analytics, but I think that, um, you know, turnout was a factor in that election. And I think that we have built so many strong relationships in the community uh, just as a natural consequence of working on many of the things that I've been talking about that I don't foresee that. Um, certainly, I'm prepared for anything, and uh, you know I, I want to serve again, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna run. Have you been talking to County Assessor Zimmerman? Yes, he and I have a we have had occasion to to get together on a few things, and we, we've got some things that are going right now. Now, so do you see him as a potential rival, or or is that pretty much quelled? You know, I can't really speak uh, for him with respect to that. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think that would be the case, but, uh, but, um, you know, I, I guess you'd have to ask him. I, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> on that one. But, but my final question for you <laughs> but, is but fair uh, question. After I wrote the article where you called me an evil genius about, um, you know, the, the local <laughs> officials being conduits for, for large money, yeah. did you get any phone calls to to, be, to have your money used for I, people. I think you were way out ahead on that one. I haven't received a call yet. Yeah, so. I will say I was looking at the city returns, the city uh, MEC filings, and that did happen. Like really? Jamal Nasheed spent about $12,000 on behalf of Tashara Jones, and there were some other low-level wow. instances of independent expenditure. So yeah. if you win re-election, your mm. phone call might be, call, be called a few times. All right. Well, I have not, I have not received that request yet. Well, I'm still an evil genius, and you're still the county executive. Thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) The old lady. So, um, for all of our stories, STL Public. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. I think you have like six different Twitter accounts. but what I'll would be go the... with at Steve Stanger. I think that's the best one. Yeah, to we do. were going to ask you which one is active. Yeah, I'd say at Steve Stanger is the best one. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long. Feel those metal